if you spend too much time celebrating your past success, you're going to lose your competitive edge. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome to this week's episode. Today I have the pleasure of sitting with Mayor Sylvester Turner of the city of Houston. Given the current circumstances with, with Hurricane Harvey headed this direction, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing Mayor? good. I'm doing good. We do have the hurricane that's out there in the Gulf Coast, and uh, we are carefully watching uh, which direction it will go, but uh, we're anticipating uh, a lot of rain. Oh yeah, a lot of rain. Before we go deeper into your role as the Mayor of the city of Houston, could you please tell our audience of how you became involved in oil and gas? We respect this as an all against town. I'm a native Houstonian. You know, this is the energy capital of the world. We've always been known for energy production with intellectual capital as it relates to oil and gas. Texas is a big oil and gas state. Uh, even when I went to law school outside of uh, Texas on the East Coast, the students in law school on the East Coast thought I had an oil well in my backyard, and I didn't tell them otherwise, you know. But uh, this is an oil and gas town. It has been since its creation or inception in 1836, and it continues to be and will be for a long time to come. So what are some challenges you've faced as mayor of the city of Houston? Well, you know, this is a growing, uh, dynamic city. We're already the fourth largest city in the United States, and in due time, we'll be the third. We'll bypass Chicago. Over the next 12, 15 years, we're expecting 3 million more people to move into the Houston region. You have to have the infrastructure to sustain that growth. Transportation, moving people from point A to point B. Transportation, transit, mobility, that's critically important. Making sure that we can uh, meet the infrastructure needs of, of the city, that's critically important. And then um, right now, and over the last, let's say, past two years, Oil and gas prices have been stubbornly low and resistant to movement, and that has impacted us on multiple layers. And since we are so, um, I guess you can say, uh, this is an oil and gas town, you know, oil and gas companies have reduced their workforce, so to speak. They've cut back, and so that has had some significant impacts. And so sales tax revenues over the last two years have been sluggish yeah. because of the, the downturn in the oil and gas market. Although I will say to you that uh, we are less dependent and reliant on oil and gas now than when we were in the 1980s. That's true. We've fared much better. We're about 40% dependent now on oil and gas, so we're much more diversified. The housing market is still strong. And job-wise, even though companies have cut back, we've never been in the negative in, in terms of job creation. But, you know, we see glimmers that things are starting to improve, so, so that's good news. Yes, it is. Now that we know where you started, could you discuss your journey from that point to now within the industry and your experience? Well, you know, of course, being a, a native Houstonian and going to school here, at least undergraduate, you know, went to law school and came back, but I worked for a large law firm in the city of Houston. They did a lot of work with oil and gas, had an oil and gas section. Uh, so I worked with that law firm for three and a half years before starting a smaller law firm in the downtown area still. 
and then I was in the um, was in the Texas legislature for some 26 years and sat on on the committee that oversaw our, all of our utilities that directly in work with oil and gas components in the state of Texas. I sat on the energy committee for a period of time uh, in the legislature, and then now as mayor of the city of Houston, where I deal directly with many of the CEOs and executives in the oil and gas sector. And since uh, this is the energy capital of the world, I interface with that sector quite a bit. And they impact multiple sectors in the city of Houston. Even the medical center, for example, has uh, collaborations with oil and gas industry. The space center, Mm -hmm. same thing. And when you start talking about uh, the port of Houston, Mm -hmm. okay, directly does work with the oil and gas sector. So it, it is all throughout the dynamics of the city of Houston. And so, you know, I have to work with them on multiple levels on a continuous basis. What are some of the economic incentives of having oil and gas companies in our city? Number one, we have a number of Fortune 500 companies that are in the, in the city of Houston, many of them directly related to oil and gas sector. Exxon, you mm-hmm. know, Shell, all of those companies are, are right here in the area. Calpine, the list goes yeah. on and on and on. And those are jobs. Yes. And those are jobs on multiple levels, whether it's upstream, midstream, or downstream. Talking about job creation, okay? Mm-hmm. You're talking about how they support or interact with the space center. The medical center has been the largest medical center in the world. And they have their joint programs between the two. And when we start talking about startups, incubators, accelerators, all of those things are directly uh, working directly with our oil and gas companies. So from an economic point of view, we're talking about dollars, that jobs that are directly flowing in the city of Houston and the multiplier effect that uh, the springs from their very, very presence. And then a lot of international business international trade is taking place with the city of Houston because these oil and gas companies are here. Yes, yes. What is your philosophy around public officials using all available tools to uh, attract and retain jobs? Well, if you don't, you're going to miss out and you're not going to be competitive. So, for example, uh, University of Houston is a tier one institution. It also uh, works directly with many of our oil and gas companies or those companies that are byproducts that are Slumberjay, for example. Right. And it's a good, uh, excellent relationship with University of Houston. Uh, Rice, you know, that's an institution that benefits from it. Texas Southern as well. Um, Our community colleges, for example, are putting in programs that directly uh, provide a workforce development Mm -hmm. for people who will be working for these oil and gas companies. Uh, That's all in the public public sector. We are talking more and more about startups because many of these oil and gas companies are looking to work with startups. But because many of these startups don't necessarily exist in the city of Houston, they are sending or they're setting up shop in Silicon Valley or in Boston or other companies because of these startups. And so now we are now focusing more on startups, technology, innovation, an innovation district in order to provide these oil and gas companies with the additional elements that they need. And then you want to hold on to that young talent young talent comes in is either in the city or they come to the city working with these oil and gas companies 
But if we don't provide all of the other essential elements like startups, technology, innovations, they will then move on for some other place. And so as a public official, in order to maintain the competitive edge that the city of Houston has, I have to work directly with the private sector and with oil and gas companies in order to benefit the people here in the city of Houston. Could you tell us the story of the process and the challenges of having Houston host the 23rd World Petroleum Congress in 2020? And we are excited. You know, um, the World Petroleum Congress has not been in the United States for 30 years. Wow. Okay. And specifically, uh, the last time it was in the United States was in Houston, and I want to say that was in uh, 1987. It is a big deal. We have gone after the World Petroleum Congress several times, and we missed. Uh, I certainly want to acknowledge the U.S. uh, National Committee, uh, Galen Cobb, who's given leadership to that committee. They've done, they've done an excellent job working with Houston First, the Greater Houston Visitors and Convention Bureau. All of them have worked very closely to try to bring the World Petroleum Congress back to the United States and specifically to Houston. We lost out to um, the Soviet Union one time, and then we lost out to Istanbul this last time. But a number of us went to Bahrain last year to try again for the third time to get it here. Right. And, and, and the third time was a charm. So they meet every three years. They will be meeting in 2020. 10,000 of the high-level executives in oil and gas across the globe will be coming to the city of Houston. You know, it will again add to Houston being this international global energy um, mecca, so to speak, right. and it will showcase Houston on so many, many different levels. Um, be a big economic multiplier for the city. But again, you know, we host several week. I think in March every single year, mm-hmm. we host the OTC conference every year in May. And that attracts anywhere between, let's say, seventy to ninety thousand delegates from all over the all over the world. And now to host the World Petroleum Congress in 2020 will be another major plus for the city of Houston and all of the oil and gas companies and others that reside right here in the city of Houston or doing business here in the city of Houston. That's pretty exciting. Yes, um, uh, I'm excited. It will be a tremendous plus. And then, you know, um, it will bring delegates from all over. We were in competition with Calgary. It's a beautiful place, but for the delegates to decide to come to Houston, and it was about a two-thirds margin, you know, in this third round, so we intend to showcase the city and not just have the focus on oil and gas, but to, in, but to showcase the international uh, flavor of the city of Houston. You know, we are the most diverse uh, city in the country. Yes. And I say that over and over again, 142 different languages, 92, 93 consulates, one of four Houstonians is foreign born. And we are diverse in ideas as well. So this will be an opportunity for people who just um, come to the United States to just focus on New York or L.A. or San Francisco or Chicago. Um, This will be the time for people to put Houston on the map. Would you explain why your collaboration with Israel? You know, we uh, in my State of the City address in May, I talked about the future of this city uh, in terms of startups technology and innovation. We have all of the ingredients, energy capital of the world, the largest medical center in the world, the number one port in terms of foreign, foreign tonnage, uh, the space center, cybersecurity, you know, with all of these other assets, should be very, very big. But we, have, we are not competing well when it comes to startups, technology, innovations. Not to say that it's not taking place here, right? but it's in a more siloed different areas are doing their own thing, nothing integrated and robust. We don't have the ecosystem um, that we desire. So Israel has more startups per capita 
than any other place in the world. It is a state the size of um, New Jersey, okay? Right. But in terms of startups, they have more per capita than any place else. And they're doing an incredible job there. And so that was an excellent opportunity to go to Israel, to learn from them on how they are doing things, and to try to, uh, you know, many people tell you don't copy very much, but when things are going well, there's there's nothing wrong with copying from what other people are doing or or attempting to duplicate. And so... um, they have startups, they have um, emphasis on technology. What they don't have uh, are the energy companies that we have. Right. They don't have the world's largest medical center, okay? Right. Uh, and they would love to have those elements to tie into their startups and what they are doing. We have all of those elements. So what's needed to, to really advance startups, you need talent, you need the technology, uh, you need the diversity, all of those elements. All of those things we have right here in the city of Houston. Yes, we do. We have those. But we have not operated in a very integrated, robust fashion to establish that ecosystem. And we are uh, uniquely positioned to have a premier data science center, Institute of Data Sciences. And so we're also focusing on that. And so there are a lot of things that uh, the state of Israel is doing extremely well in this area. And we need to borrow from uh, much of what they are doing in Beersheba, for example, they have an innovation park. Uh, in Tel Aviv, they have a strong innovation district. Okay, We don't have to be Tel Aviv. We don't have to be Silicon Valley. We don't have to be what they're doing in Chicago. Uh, but certainly we can put forth uh, startups, incubators, accelerators, an innovation district. That is uniquely Houston. No other city in the world is known as the energy capital. No other city in the world has the largest medical center. No other city in the world has the Johnson Space Center or the number one port in foreign tonnage. We have all of those in, in, in those elements right here in the city of Houston. It doesn't make any sense for venture capitalists to be spending $1.7 billion in Chicago. When in 2012, they started off with $370 million. Right. And then if you look at the Kaufman Foundation report, when it comes to venture capitalists, the city of Houston is now 31st. We've been moving further away from the front line. Yeah. But it's only because we haven't played in a very integrated way. Now we are deciding to concentrate. So we're working with Station Houston, uh, the Houston Technology Center, the Greater Houston Partnership. Uh, I named a task force on technology and innovation being led by Council Member Amanda Edwards. So we have, we have decided from a collective basis that we need to do something that's Houston-centric, where the focus is on startups, uh, technology, innovation, so that our energy companies and others don't have to go to Silicon Valley. And we can cut off uh, companies from going to Boston or Merck from going to Austin, okay? And we need to be attracting those entities right here in the city of Houston. And we are uniquely positioned to play very, very well in that space. And we just have to decide to do it. We have decided to do it. And so watch what happens over the next, over the next three to five years. That's a lot of great stuff. Yeah. If you had one piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be? If you can dream it, you can do it. That would be my. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You know, you know. Look, uh, what I would say is that uh, if you spend too much time celebrating your past success, mm-hmm. you're gonna lose your competitive edge. Very good. You Very know? good. What book would you say influenced you the most? Profile and Courage. Yeah. Yeah, really like that one. What would you say is your most used business tool? <laughs> the iPad and the cell phone. <laughs> 
pretty popular one. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your most respected opponent in all of the years you've run? You know, when I ran for mayor in 1991, Bob Lanier, you know. I'm familiar. Smart, seasoned. I learned a great deal from that race. Yeah. Those are the best races, the ones you learn the most yeah, from. Yeah, I learned, I learned a great deal. Which leads me to my next question. What is your most important lesson learned? Uh, lesson learned. And similar to what I said before, if you spend uh, too much time dwelling on yesterday, you'll miss your step in terms of where you're going tomorrow. Yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. So um, you can hold on to um, dreams that's been deferred, but don't, sp don't spend a whole lot of time dwelling in yesterday. Yesterday is gone, you know? Yeah. So um, uh, in order to go forward, you have to look forward. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite pod podcast? Mm -hmm, this one here. <laughs> So you don't listen to any of the other any other podcasts. That's what everybody says when they don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> oh goodness, that was pretty good, Mary. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> I'm being truthful. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're giving me the giggles. <laughs> but I'm truthful. Yeah, you are. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. We'll be, we'll be thinking about that one for the rest of the day. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we're laughing. <laughs> I know, but still. <laughs> hey, I, I don't know any other way but just to be me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I appreciate most about you. Thanks. Yeah. You know. um, Anyway, I think it's only appropriate that I announce this week's uh, winner of the $200 steak dinner from the Capitol Grill. Congratulations to Alex B. Oh, congratulations. So if you want to win a $200 steak dinner from the Capitol Grill, and who wouldn't, visit www.bulwark.com forward slash podcast. Every, every week, you've got to sign up every week, guys. Enter your information and listen to next week's show to see if your name's chosen. 
As always, a link will be provided in the show notes to make it easier to enter. And if you're not familiar with Bulwark, they're the leader, not to mention the largest manufacturer of flame-resistant clothing in the entire world. So after you've signed up for that steak dinner, be sure to check out the rest of Bulwark's website to learn more. And since Oil & Gas Global Network's calendar is filled with events, I also need to thank our on-the-road travel sponsors. So Lee Hecht Harrison is the world's leading talent development and transition company that helps businesses simplify the transformation of their talent and workforces to accelerate results and reduce risk. They also help individuals build their careers within their companies or transition into new opportunities. So visit www.lhh.com for more information about that. And then we have Total Land Technologies, and they have the world's most advanced field land management system, which is the Landman Virtual Office. So visit www.totalland.com for more information about them. So thank you so much for... Thank you. It's been enjoyable. It's been great. It really <laughs> has. If people want to reach out to you, uh, how could they go about doing that? Uh, HoustonTX.gov. I think will come uh, directly to me or just call the mayor's office or, uh, or call Alan Bernstein. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I got through. <laughs> so it, it, it will probably work. All right. So that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com. Yeah.